everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, and coming up this week, a conversation with the head basketball coach at Marquette, Shaka Smart, will join me. And we'll talk about not only the Golden Eagles for their brand new campaign, he is starting his second year, an NCAA tournament appearance last year for Marquette. But we'll also talk with Shaka about his other stops, that incredible run at VCU where he went to the Final Four, then going on to Texas, coaching in the Big 12 and now in the Big East, the similarities and some of the differences. A lot to cover with Shaka Smart, and we'll do that in just a moment. But our Jersey Mike's news and notes for the week begins with a tough note out of Durham. Myron Metcalf reporting on ESPN.com that Tariq Whitehead, who was our Jersey Mike's Naismith High School Player of the Year last year, is on the shelf, underwent surgery on Tuesday to repair a fracture in his right foot out indefinitely, but will begin rehab immediately and is expected to return sometime this fall. And as Myron points out, Duke has been affected by foot injuries multiple times over the past four decades. Think of these guys that all had foot problems. Chris Collins, Carlos Boozer, Elton Brand, Daniel Ewing, Kyrie Irving, Ryan Kelly, Marshall Plumley, Jason Tatum all missed time during their careers at Duke due to foot injuries. But we're hopeful that for Mr. Whitehead, this will be a brief respite uh, from the uh, active duty, and he'll be back working out with the Blue Devils very, very soon. My conversation with Mr. Shaka Smart when we come back after this from Jersey Mike's. If Jersey Mike's turkey had a resume, it would say it's 99% fat-free and raised without antibiotics. But our turkey already has its dream job at Jersey Mike's because premium meat makes a sub above. It's such a pleasure to have Shaka Smart on the line with us from Milwaukee, the head coach of the Marquette Ball Club, who is getting ready for his second season at the helm. But Shaka, it's great to have you on. I trust you're doing well, and, and we're kind of, sort of, getting back to normal, and that feels good. Yes, we're super excited about starting school up here at Marquette, and uh, it's great to be on with you, Bob. I must tell you, uh, over the summers, I do the TBT broadcast for ESPN, and uh, over the years, I've with the Golden Eagles winning it a couple of years ago, have gotten to know these former Marquette players, the Joe Chapmans and Diener and all the guys, and it is such a special place, and I know that in coming to Marquette last year, you now have a, a feeling for what a special program this is and what a special school it is, and I was just wondering your feelings about, uh, you know, what, what Marquette basketball is all about. Well, there's so much pride in the basketball program. There's such a connection between the alums and students and folks that make this such a special place and the basketball program, the basketball players. Uh, you know, early in the year, unfortunately, one of the greatest players to ever play here, George Thompson, passed away. And when I went to his memorial service, I was just blown away by how many Marquette fans were there. And, and, and again, it just it speaks to the importance of this program to the community here and to the school. No doubt about it. You've had such an interesting coaching career, uh, and in, even back as an assistant coach. But I wanted to focus first on on being a head coach because you've you've led three really different types of programs. I mean, you've got 
obviously the success that you had at VCU, inner city Richmond, uh, mid-major. You go to Texas, which is like uh, just the opposite, a uh, different part of the country, a state school, and all that the University of Texas is. And now you come back to Marquette, private, upper Midwest, getting back close to home. Uh, a very interesting career route as a head coach. And I was wondering, Shaka, what you gleaned from all three stops that's made you the coach that you are today? Well, I think when you go to different places, the exciting thing is you just you have so many unique experiences that are, you know, relative to the place where you are. So you have to learn relatively quickly what it is that makes that place tick, how it is that people feel uh, in that specific area, in that region. There are regional differences. There are differences at every school based on, you know, things like academics, things like other sports that are played, uh, you know, the, the just the nature of, uh, of that program. So it's been awesome for me just, you know, learning. I'm really grateful. Most guys, you know, are fortunate to be able to coach at one place. Uh, and, and now I'm, you know, I'm at my third school as a head coach in my eighth school overall in coaching. And I'm very, very grateful. How did you come to be born in Wisconsin? Is that where your family history is? Yeah, my mom went to the University of Wisconsin. And my dad actually went there as well. Uh, so that's how that happened. And I grew up my whole childhood in Madison, which is just about an hour away from Milwaukee, uh, and didn't have a whole lot of familiarity with Marquette as a school, but I knew about Marquette as a basketball program, and I watched them play. So, um, you know, I've I've gotten to know the program over the years. You played uh, D3 at Kenyon, and I was wondering what led you to coaching? What how did you get uh, bitten by the bug to become a coach? Well, I loved playing so much. I could never imagine doing anything but playing. Um, and I couldn't really verbalize it at the time, but part of why I loved playing is that I loved being on a team. You know, I've really never not been on a team. So going back to five years old and, you know, Little League soccer and baseball. And so – as my college career was winding down, my first college coach who had moved on to another school made a recommendation to me that I go into coaching. And I never really had put much thought into coaching, but again, I love playing so much that it was a logical next move. And so that's what I did. I went and worked for him at a Division two school in Pennsylvania called California University. And that began the trek. Um, you've worked for some amazing coaches. I was wondering who had perhaps the, the biggest impact on you early on. They all did. I mean, they all had the biggest impact uh, on me in different ways. I, you know, I worked for Billy Donovan uh, at Florida. He impacted me quite a bit from the standpoint of the psychological and mental part of the game. Uh, he, he was always talking about disposition and makeup and mindset and how important that is to help a team or help a player uh, be his best. Um, Oliver Purnell, who I know someone that you know well, uh, it was really, really impactful on my career quite a bit. In, in other ways, I worked for him at Dayton and then again at Clemson. 
and he was like a father figure to me. He put his arm around me. He really approached the program in so many ways, uh, like a CEO of, of a business. He did such a good job overseeing all the different parts of what makes a basketball program successful. Um, and then another guy that I worked for that I was probably closest to of all those guys when I was working for him was a guy named Keith Dambrod. He's the coach at Duquesne now. I worked for him at Akron. And my very first day on the job in Akron, he took me to go work out one of his former players when he coached in high school, a guy by the name of LeBron James. So I was just kind of in the right place at the right time. Had a chance right. to be around him for a few months. But Keith, uh, again, just put his arm around me. He treated me like a younger brother. And he taught me so much about the value of player relationships. And so, yeah, I've been fortunate to work for some great guys. And, you know, hopefully it, it, it's hopefully I can impact the assistant coaches that, that we have in a similar way. You know, you talk about Oliver and the father figure, et cetera. Through a quirk of scheduling, um, calling the ACC games, I ended up with, I don't know, two or three senior days at Clemson to call the play-by-play on the TV. And and you experienced them. There, there was such an emotional day for Oliver that yes. he just couldn't hold it together. And, and the tears would start streaming. And so after about year three, I, I went up. I said, Oliver, uh, are you going to be able to hold it together today? And, of course, the answer was no, I can't. <laughs> because, But that's the kind of guy he is. He, he was such a father figure to you, but to just about everybody that he came in contact with at Clemson, and I'm sure at his other stops too. Well, when I first started working for him, I was 24 years old, and I had never been at the Division One level as a player or a coach or in any, in any way. So uh, I came to Dayton, and he gave me this exposure to big-time basketball. You know, I think we averaged like 12,500 fans at every home game. And I really looked up to him. And I remember, you know, he was very, very serious, you know, about what we were doing. I mean, there was a, there was a real uh, you know, thought process that went into everything we did. And so the first time I saw him get emotional, like you're describing, and, and it only happens with him every once in a while. It just it really caught me off guard, but it, it, it showed me a side of him of just how much he absolutely cares about the guys he coached and about the relationships that he developed. Yeah, he's, he's quite a guy, one of my favorites, and I'm sure one of yours. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, Marquette basketball, the Golden Eagles. Uh, you're heading into year two. Uh, I think for everybody, you know, roster management and rosters being in flux, uh, getting all set uh, is a state of the game these days. But tell us about, uh, you know, your, I guess it'd be fair to say, pretty young roster that you're getting ready to compete with. We do. We still have a relatively young roster. We were young last year, and we lost a couple of our older guys. Uh, Justin Lewis left after his sophomore year to go to the NBA. So we're still relatively young. We really like our core of young guys. We actually have 11 guys on our team that have three or more years of eligibility. Uh, a few of those guys are juniors, but they're in that class that gets another year on the back end because of the COVID exception. Uh, so we, 
we feel really good about, hey, if we can keep this group together and this core of guys and continue building the relationship amongst all of us, players, coaches, everyone in the program, and then really focus on their growth and development as people and as players and understanding all of us with each passing day, with each passing week, a little bit more about what goes into winning here at Marquette. Because as we talked about, it's different at every school. And we feel like we really have a chance to do something special over time. Last season was uh, a really fun season in a lot of ways. You know, our, our team overachieved, I think, relative to what people outside of our program thought we were capable of. Um, but at the same time, at the end of the year, we didn't finish as strong as we wanted to. So there's still there's a lot out there for us to go accomplish, and we want to learn a lot from the experiences we've had and continue to get better. I wanted to ask you also in closing, Shaka, about coaching in the Big 12 and then coming on to the Big East. Uh, it's like the choice is uh, do you want to uh, see a firing squad or do you, would you rather just you know be executing an electric chair? Uh, this is... This is as good of conferences in terms of top-to-bottom strength as I think there is in the country. And a 20-game Big East schedule awaits. Um, your thoughts on, on the opposition? Well, you said it. I mean, those two leagues are probably the most similar of any of the high major leagues. And obviously, in the next couple of years, we're going to continue to see a lot of movement uh, amongst the conferences. But... Right now, what the Big 12 and the Big East have in common is the double round robin. And it just gives you a different feel of a conference schedule than if you're in the ACC or the SEC where I was an assistant and you only see half the teams twice and then the other half you see once. Uh, And that means you're only going on the road to – you know, maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the, of the, of the schools. Uh, the Big East is it's just terrific coaches. It's a bunch of schools that really, really care about basketball at a high level. I mean, these are all basketball schools, whether you're talking about UConn or Villanova or Creighton, Georgetown, just across the board. And I think because you have that care and that history, uh, there's a real legacy of what goes into winning, and doing whatever it takes to be successful. So it's going to be a heck of a challenge again in the Big East, but our guys are excited about it. We can't wait to watch your club play and keep tabs on you all season long. Shaka, thanks for taking time. We really appreciate it. This has been great. Thank you for having me, Bob. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Please rate, review, get in touch with us here at the Naismith Awards. We'd love to hear from you. This is a podcast that promotes college basketball 52 weeks a year for both the men and the women, and we can't wait to get the new campaign underway. Until next week, for all of us here at the Naismith Awards, Bob Rathman saying so long.